When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle. And today with me, I have Keith Gangitano from Zeppelin. Keith has done some unique things in the restoration space, really kind of service industry space altogether, I guess. Um, and so we're really happy to have you, Keith, on the show with us this morning. Morning, Clint. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So let's talk about Keith, and let's talk about Zeppelin, and let's talk about, specific, specifically for me on the restoration, I want to talk about Airwall uh, as a product uh, and kind of how you got there. So tell me, where are you located, Keith? We're located in the Silicon Valley and out in California, San Jose specifically, but yeah, right there in the middle of the Silicon Valley. San Jose. So Sharks fan. If I watch hockey, sure. sure. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, great. Right. It's funny because I didn't, I didn't grow up watching hockey really at all. Then my son started playing uh, when we got to, I'm, I'm an, I'm a Texas kid. Um, but the Dallas Stars didn't exist this when I was growing up. So it was not something that I cared about. And then my son started playing. So now I like know all these hockey players in these different markets. I mean, I even know some of the San Jose Sharks, which is funny because hockey's a small, small world. So Here. San Jose, so you live in a beautiful environment. The temperature's yep. probably really great. We won't talk about that right now because nope. for me it's miserable. And for some <laughs> of our listeners, it's miserable. Um, but some of them have great weather like you. Mm. So that's why that's why we live here. <laughs> I, I would imagine that is why you live there. Uh, so, Keith, how did you get started in one, one? Let's talk about how you got started in business in general. I have been always in an entrepreneurial type. I started my first business when I was 10 and, you know, it was lawn mowing and then it was paper routes. And then I became a I, I thought I could be a handyman at 18 years old. Turns out I didn't know enough to do that job, but that's OK. We learn these things. <laughs> Uh, I've always just wanted to do my own thing. I didn't didn't get into it until my uh, late twenties. Okay. I started a dent company and ran that for um. Go, it was getting close to a couple decades when a close friend of mine, after some cajoling, convinced me to try out restoration. Um, he knew I understood building science and he had seen me build my business from scratch, so he figured there was also some business sense there. And so we tried it out. I told him I'd give him ninety days. And if I still wanted to be friends with him and I still wanted to keep doing that work, then we would uh, we would take the next step. And, and needless to say, at the end of the run, none of those things were going to happen. I wasn't going to stay friends and we weren't going to continue. Uh, <laughs> there was just no way. Uh, we're still friends today. Thank God. Uh, well, shock. And what's you, that? That's a shocker. Clearly, you didn't get inundated correctly into the restoration space. I Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and but the three months that I spent doing it gave me enough exposure to the industry to kind of start seeing some things that could be improved. And, and the first thing we invented was the what we call the Express. It's a crawl space device. It's meant to create containment 
in a crawl space or an attic space and isolate the affected area. You know, I mean, the big problem with crawl spaces is you can't treat mother nature, you can't dry mother nature. So if you can create a chamber in there, uh, you'll get it done faster, especially with a thick subfloor that's fully, um, you know, saturated things like right. that. So that was how it started. And we've just gone from there. I mean, we have tw- 10, uh, 10 products now or got two to three more kind of on the drawing board that will be coming. And, you know, so yeah, we're, We've come a long way in the last six years, almost. Sure. Sure. Well, that's excellent, man. And I, I love on LinkedIn reading your bio and kind of how you describe and talk about still pushing dents today. And, and you don't only create products, but you also create relationships and opportunities and space to, to have both those relationships and opportunities, even with your family. Right. Mm-hmm. And I loved reading that. And so I appreciate the mentality behind not just being a business person. I think that that's not just uh, applies to me as, you know, the owner, or the, you know, of these couple of businesses that I have, but it also, I think, um, permeates the way I deal with my employees is just, I remember primarily that they're people. Um, and I think by doing so, there's a, a and, and I think the bigger a company gets, the harder that can be. But um, I think if you have, you know, let's say you have, you know, tens or dozens of people that you will be inevitably at the at the top, you'll form a relationship with your direct management. But if you establish a, a pattern of, of making that human connection, then I think that filters down through the organization. And even though you may not know the, the guy who just started last week, somebody does. And if they remember their humanity first, I think you get, I think you get better work. I think you get more um, long-term employees, more loyalty. Um, I think you're just overall more successful and, and your customers will pick up on that too. Sure. Know? Absolutely. So, well, let's talk about that then, because I think that's important. And we've had some conversations with others around this same thing is how do you how do you go about creating that culture? How do you hire the employees and then establish them into your culture? How do you find that they're part of your culture? What what do you follow as you're bringing people as you grow and you have 10 products that you mentioned? I don't know if those are they're not completely separate businesses, right? But are they completely no. separate divisions? No, 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 no. They're all under the Zeppelin umbrella. It's it's just an air wall line of products. We have many different products. Um, Zeppelin is the company, Airwall is the product line. And uh, yeah, so those those are all Airwall stuff, Airwall okay. something. And then, so everybody kind of functions in that same division, essentially. Everything is under Airwall. Everything's under Airwall, yeah. So and, how, and how do you go about finding the people? And how do you ensure they're part of your culture before you bring them on? So my dent company is where I have an employee. Um, he's been with me about 10 years. And we kind of, you know, we kind of joke, he and I, I mean, he's the son I never had. And and he thinks of me as a father figure, which just tells you I'm getting old. <laughs> but, but yeah, right? But um you know, we, he and I have that relationship in Airwall. We're still small Zeppelin. We're still small. Um, a lot of my quote unquote employees are the people I work with my manufacturing partners, my contract manufacturers, people I had do my printing, my design work, my intellectual property. These are all people that I contract or employ to do things for me. You know, my, I have a digital marketing company, right? And these are the relationships that I nurture. Um, not only does it make doing business with someone uh, easier, but if there is a connection, there are times when I can, I'm going to have to call and pick up that phone and say, I really need a favor. Right. You know, I really need uh, something special, something outside the norm um, for this thing. You never abuse it. But if you have that connection, 
then you can do that. And they can do the same thing with you because you're, you're kind of on the same team. You know, I've got advisors, uh, someone I work with in, in particular at the commerce department and she works for everyone. I mean, you know, she works for, and that's another thing I recommend um, having advisors. Uh, it's a big deal. They help you kind of get that view that maybe you're too close to it. Um, they'll give you some perspective, but this woman, although she works for the U S government and her job is to make sure that U S businesses grow and export She's flat out said, she goes, I feel like I'm a part of your company and I'm excited by it. She, she loves our product line. She loves the, the green component. She works in a lot of healthcare applications. She sees the big applications there. And she just goes, I just love being a part of this. This is just exciting to me, you know? So, you know, being able to form those relationships, I think facilitates business and growth and, and overall peace of mind and well-being. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I agree. So it's one of the things that I tell my son regularly, like we talked a little bit about him playing hockey and like he's pretty good, right? He's a decent hockey player. There are better hockey players uh, than my son, uh, but he's pretty good. And so he, it affords him opportunities to do some things, maybe play some college hockey, maybe play juniors moving on. But what I tell him on a regular basis is just the relationships that you make are the most significant part of this process. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing this. So you learn how to build relationships and those there's some of these relationships you may have the rest of your life and you guys may do some kind of business thing together. And it's, important and significant to be able to foster relationships and to be a good human to people, to treat people with respect, to do what you say you're going to do. Um, yes. and, you know, and, and it's important that we, we do those things. And some of that like is hard and that sometimes doing what you say you're going to do isn't necessarily completely up to you, right? You have to yes. do everything you can to do what you said you're going to do. Uh, but then there's a worldwide pandemic that prevents some of that from taking place or there's no longer supply of, in your case, I'm going to make this up vinyl in order to build an air wall or whatever it would take, right? There's things that can be a problem. Um, yep. And so you're doing what you can and, and being committed to that and staying true to your <clears throat> integrity and honor in regard to moving things forward as much as you possibly can. And then when you can't, owning it, addressing it and correcting it as much as you possibly can, I think is, is significant. So kudos to you on building good relationships, because I think that's how the world is created. Um, I think relationships are everything, um, even in, you know, even in business and sport, you know, you get an opportunity in sports because you've got a relationship with someone, not just because you're the most talented person. So right. there's a lot of things that, that go into that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what, what's something that you know now that you wish you had known when you started? Regarding Zeppelin, what did I, I, I think it really comes down to, I was naive I was naive regarding just how difficult it is to bring a physical thing into being. And the scale, that's the part that's very bizarre. Um, and that, and that we're learning that now. Um, you kind of touched on it. You know, there's certain things that are out of your control, right? And I have contract manufacturing and supply chains, and I cross the, the southern border border to get things made and things like that. And these border crossings are complicated. And, and, and I just, I was very naive uh, uh, regarding how difficult it is to give birth to something that simply did not exist um, before we decided to do it. It was, uh, it, it was and has and is continues to be a challenge uh, to do that. And I, I joke that if I had known would I have done it anyway, and I think I would have because Zeppelin to me and, and our product line isn't just about uh, changing my tax bracket, which I want to hope, hope to do, <laughs> but sure. uh, it's, yeah, but it's, it's about, um, and this may sound grandiose, but I'm actually trying to change the world 
when when Zeppelin or when, when the world was in pandemic and we were all locked in and all the momentum I had gained in our you know through our debut in 2019 at the um, the show in Las Vegas the experience we lost all momentum and when it was really bad and no one knew what was going to happen were we going to get vaccines was this going to be the end of the world all you know we're all kind of just trying to figure it out we all remember it the thing that got me out of bed in the morning was the fact that I was making a truly a truly green product that was actually not a compromise and in fact was better than what was done that you know like these straws right you know Regular old straws work killer. They're cheap. They're easy. You know, they, they've got their drawbacks, right? Ask the turtles. Um, but the problem is that the paper straws and the bamboo straws and the metal straws and all the other alternatives kind of suck. You know, they're just not that good. You know, so, you know, you may want to do the right thing, but if the right thing isn't at least as good or better, and if it's not super expensive, you know, it's got to be that balance, right? Yeah, for sure. And I had, I finally had a product that I felt like was so much better than what was being done in all ways. And it happened to be green. I have kids, you know, I have a 22 year old and a 20 year old. And for me, I mean, they weren't old, that old during the pandemic, but I just thought about them, you know, and yeah. uh, it doesn't matter your political leaning. We can all agree that taking a bunch of plastic and just throwing it away after the first use is probably not good. You know, I mean, you don't even have to think about the science of it. It's just, we know that that can't be good. Sure. So, so let, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because some of the people that are listening don't really understand what you've built and what Errol is. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the restoration space and the need for containment and traditionally how containment is done. So they understand what you're talking about when they're saying you're just throwing away a bunch of plastic and not just referencing back to your straw comments. Yeah, um, yeah. And then what you've created, which I think is a unique niche product that I think is a beautiful idea for, for where we're at in the space. So talk, talk a little bit about that part of the space. So, all right. So just background, um, containment is most often applied to mold, asbestos, lead, uh, those types of issues where um, it's either federally, federally regulated, uh, as in the case of lead and asbestos, or, or may will be maybe sometime soon with mold. Um, but nonetheless, it's a recognized risk factor and negative air containment is required to do the remediation process. Negative air containment, four years ago, no one even knew what that was most likely. But nowadays, there's a good chance that most people do know what it means. And it basically just uh, relies on physics, air pressure, differential pressure, reduced pressure in a space, and nothing airborne in that space can leave. And that's, in a nutshell, what negative pressure is. So that's what mold ab abaters and all that kind of do is they lower the pressure, nothing can get out. They do that with plastic, poles, tape, glue, PVC frames, all these different things. It's inherently difficult to set up to, to do well. Uh, they often fail. Um, in the middle of the night is the most common time. You know, you come in and you got a nice big hole in your containment. Uh, the hole gets as big as it takes to uh, create equity between the spaces. Um, balance is seeking, or nature is seeking balance. So the hole gets as big as it takes to offset the negative pressure set the pressure to neutral right that's what that's it's right. trying to do it to be it wants to be neutral um so what we did is we designed something that is modular it's inflatable it's reusable doesn't require special skills to set it up and it always stays up it doesn't fail it doesn't rely on tape uh it uses internal pressure um and that's a very reliable system so it's just very very robust very easy to use and it takes all that plastic waste. I mean, plastic will never go away entirely, but if we can get right. rid of 80% of it, that would be great. 
Sure. Um, and then we do things that plastic can't do. Sound reduction. You put up one of my barriers, it's 15 decibels. You put up two in, in, a, in a row and it drops 25. That's phenomenal. The walls have an R value of 20. For the uninitiated, that's just showing you how much insulation there is and how slow the heat is to transfer from one side to the other. It's a very high number. Uh, so you have environmental control, not just certainly not just dust control, and, and it's way more than just containment. It does something way beyond that. And it's also a visually impressive thing. If you come into a hospital or a school or, or a home where, you know, people are afraid of what's on the other side of that wall and they see our stuff, there's not one moment where they think, yeah, I, I don't feel safe here. Uh, plastic sure. doesn't always give you that confidence. You look at it and you go, wow, that's, that's it, huh? That's, that's what's keeping us safe, that little barrier right there. So, yeah. Sure. Well, excellent, man. I love that description. Uh, I love uh, to help everybody understand kind of what you're accomplishing uh, because you are, I mean, you're accomplishing something as you grow and as you uh, continue to, to take some market share and pull plastic away, you're, you're reducing the footprint um, of the emissions and the need for landfills and waste and all the things that go into that where the, the plastic's not decomposing correctly. And, and I think that's a beautiful idea. Let's talk about the process of creating a product. Because creating a product is tough, right? Like all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, creating a product, yeah. It, 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 there's that saying about invention that it's uh, it's two percent two percent inspiration and ninety eight percent perspiration. It's incredibly difficult. Ideas are easy. Um, I mean, for me, they are. So not everybody works the way I do, but ideas come to me all the time. And the the trick is to figure out which ones are worth pursuing. Sure. And then, because there is so much energy involved in getting it from the head to the environment, you know, for me, it's, it's, a, I'm still wrapping my head around it that I have product in Australia now. That's just weird to me. Like these are my babies, you know, these are the things yeah. that, you know, in every sense of the word I created from scratch with, with Cole and my dad as, as, as major partners in that effort, we, you know, constantly are tweaking these, these products. And it's incredible to me that they're living a life right all over the country. No, I mean, but Australia seems like shocking. It's like, well, that's like way far away. Things are happening with my product that I have no control over. I don't see them. I don't touch them. They're doing the thing that I designed them to do for people. And I have no idea what it's, it's just, it's just odd to me. And it's, and it's cool. It's very and, and hopefully it's like containing something. And it's not a bounce house, right? Like yeah, exactly. some kids yeah, sleeping on it, whatever the case may be. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, something. it's working, you know, so, and that's, that's cool. In this case, you come up with an idea mm -hmm. um, and you recognize a need. What, what pushed you to recognize a need? Because I think that's significant, right? Like mm -hmm. in the restoration space, I mean, even with us, right? We, we created job docs as a project management software because we saw a need, primarily the fact that I had a hard time running my own restoration business and I didn't find a product that I thought was good. So we built a product and we came up with this idea and this concept and we started building it. And for us, it's never finished, right? You're constantly enhancing technology and building new features and new things that come out. But the restoration space has a lot of new products, a lot of new gadgets, a lot of new tools continually. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you were in a hospital, walked through a hospital, tripped through a containment, like what? I was in a crawl space. 
Okay. I was in, I was in a crawl space. I was doing that, that, that three months with my, with my buddy. And, um, I left a little, my, a little piece of my soul down there, um, building, trying to build a chamber that was just awful. Got bit by a spider. I was in there for three hours. I was bruised and battered and it was just, it was horrid. And then the containment chamber that we made was more effective than nothing, but generally inferior. And I just, my brain always thinks there's got to be a better way to do it. And, you know, from there, we started containing doorways and then we moved to window units that could exhaust the air out of the building with a nice little seal, prevent all that tape and plywood and all the rest. And, and then um, people asked me, um, so that's great. You create negative air, but how do you get out of it? Because my first piece was just a doorway piece. Sure. And we still sell that. It's great. Sure. Call it restoration, restoration first aid. It's, it's, you know, I can get into that, but it, it, someone said, how do you get out of it? And, and what happens in a power failure? And those were two really big questions that we knew we had to answer. And, and after a very long time, well over a year, we started actually working on prototypes. It took us that long to figure out how to solve it. And what we came up with was the Airwall Nexus. It's a, it's a self-supporting, inflate-it-and-forget-it wall with five individual air chambers. Even deciding how many air chambers is part of the design process, right? You have to figure these things out. But basically, redundancy is the idea there. If one chamber were to fail the other four are going to be there to support it. And, and that actually works extraordinarily well. Um, so power failure has been solved. And then that allowed us to create what we call the dust chain, dust curtain and doffing chamber. So now you have the, the decon, the anteroom, you have the ability to transition from clean to dirty and dirty to clean. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went. And like I said, we've got three or four ideas that we're toying with. You know, that means that we'll always have something new. Uh, we just redesigned our window units. Our, they're phenomenal. The how, how did you go about building the first product? I mean, did you go buy a pole float at Walmart? And I got really lucky. I actually, Cole um, Maston is uh, the third leg of the stool. Me one, him the other, and my dad the other. And I came to him at the end of seventeen and asked him about you know whether he, he has a, a background in upholstery. He's been doing it since he was knee high to a grasshopper, and so I knew that we worked together in the dent space. He's interior, I'm dense. We talked all the time. I asked him. I said, "Hey, if I pay for everything and I give you a percentage, you know, we worked all that stuff out. Will you build a prototype for me?" He thought about it for a couple of days and he did. And Sometimes I wonder if he regrets it because <laughs> uh, six years later, we're still doing it and sure. we're still in the shop, you know? Sure. But uh, yeah, that was how it started. I had an idea. We, we, we worked it out. We prototyped it. We prototyped it again and again and again until we found something that worked. And then that's our, been our process ever since. And now I've actually learned how to sew I'm, by watching him. I was an apprentice about knowing it. And now I can sew not as good as him, but I can sew anything we make. And if I have an idea for a prototype, I can sit down at the machine if he's busy and I can kind of work it out, you know, so right. kind of, kind of well, that's, that's beautiful, right. To be able to, to execute on that and kind of figure out what you're doing and scrape through it, it. And it makes the iterative process incredibly lean. I mean, people have told me over and over, if we had to rely on companies to do our prototyping, there's no way we could be where we are. There's absolutely no way. It's just too long of a process. Um, so yeah, we are very lucky that we were able to, build something that we had that kind of ability, you know? So then you've got several patents in place, right? Several patents and patents pending. And yeah. How, how do you decide um, on, on the product? Let's just airwall, for instance, at what point did you go, okay, this is a thing. 
this needs to be patented. And where were you in the process of all of that when you said, all right, like we got to protect this? That's always a delicate balance because you have to look at um, the cost of that. And then have you really nailed it? And it, it become you have to be very honest with yourself. You cannot be too precious about what you're doing. Again, I have a lot of ideas and, and I've been doing it since my 20s. And I've only ever patented. Uh, I've pursued three. I've patented two systems. Right? You know, I've, right. That's it. Right. All the ideas. So really, have, you have to be very hard on yourself. And you have to really decide. There's a 10-10-10 rule. I actually follow that rule as best I can. Okay. Uh, the 10-10-10 rule. If you're going to do something like this, it has to be 10 times better, 10 times faster, and 10 times cheaper or, or very close. And if it's not, people won't change. People are very resistant to change generally. So you have to come up with something that once they do it, they're like, oh, yeah. And, and so you, you'd be stupid not to change. You have to make the change. It's stupid yeah. to not make the change. It costs you a fortune to not make the change. And if you grab onto something that's like that, or you can create a product like that or a service that makes sense that way, then you win. That's right. That's right. Like That's it. how you decide. The, the 10, 10, like 10 it. rule, it's, it, it just, it's always in the back of my brain. And I mean, how do you quantify 10, 10x of anything? But it just has to be so superior in those where in those areas that it, it's like, okay, we got to do this. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, so far, I've been right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, what are some pains that need business aspirin that you've experienced? Uh, and how did you fix them? Or what are some pains you're currently experiencing? And, and how are you going to get around them? I think the biggest thing that I've learned throughout my life, and it, and I've applied it to business across the board, um, my dent business, you know, you deal with dozens of personalities all the time. You're, I don't care how many, if it's two or, or hundreds or thousands, but you're dealing with people all the time. And I think we can all generally agree, again, regardless of your religion or political stripe, that we all have really common goals, right? Um, we all want kind of the same things out of life. And most people are really good. And yet we all kind of have a tough time getting along sometimes. And I think it's in the word actually, right? There's argument, right? Okay. So I'm not, fan, I'm not a fan of that word or, but there's this word called misunderstanding, right? It's a misunderstanding. And whenever I find myself in a situation with it could be my contract manufacturer. It could be one of the partners, you know, my dad or Cole. It could be, you know, anything. It almost always breaks down to a misunderstanding. Oftentimes a definition as simple as like, how do you define a word? What is that word or what is that thing that you're saying? What does that mean when you say it? And if you can really slow back, slow down and use those words. So when you say that, what do you mean? I, I, I have an understanding of that. Can you tell me, can you use different words? And explain to me what you mean. And oftentimes by reframing something, myself on the other receiving end of the receiving that reframed approach, I often can say, oh, oh, wow. Okay. So this is what I understood. And then they go, oh, that's not what I meant. It's over. Now we get to move on. Now we get to move on to what is important. And we get to strive towards what I believe are most often common goals. Um, but we have to remove that roadblock. We have to not dig in on your point and instead go, okay, there's a really good chance that we just don't understand each other here because I'm going to generally assume you're a good person. I'm generally assumed since we're doing business, we have common goals. So let's stop and figure out where we're just not getting it. And that's, that's I think, the biggest lesson I've learned in life 
And that can be your interpersonal with your, with your spouse. It can be with your kids, business for sure. Um, and, and I apply it all the time, all the time. Love it. And that's it. I love it. Now that's a great point. And that reminds, I don't know if you, do you know who Chris Voss is by chance. Doesn't so Chris, Chris Voss uh, created an organization called the black Swan group. Um, he wrote a book called never split the difference. And he is, was um, the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he has some unique stories that he tells in a lot of situations um, he uses some of that same language you're talking about, which is reframing or having a conversation with someone and mirroring, like repeating what they're saying to you and framing it and trying to understand what it is and then repeating it back. I understood this, which is what you're saying. Um, that'd be like, I'd love for you to snag that thing on Audible or something to take the time to read, never split the difference. Mm. Uh, I might see if I have a copy of it. If I have a copy of it, I'll shoot it to you. That'd be um, great. It's, a, it's an excellent book. Um, and it will address a lot of those things. And then in the negotiations, how do you negotiate? And how do you uh, capture somebody's attention? How do you listen attentively for things they're trying to say and tr truly trying to understand? Because you're right. In the restoration space, it's interesting because there's this mentality that the insurance company is automatically an enemy to the restoration contractor. Right. And at some level, like I get sucked into that at times, but the reality is, they have a job. They're running a business. I have a job. I'm running a business. We both have to get to some place to care for our mutual customer. How do we get there and and do that in a method that's amenable to the situation, right? That gets both of us in a spot where we're either equally dissatisfied or equally satisfied with the outcome, but the customer is cared for. And that's tough to do at times. Um, so I love hearing you say that. I love, I think that's great, right? Like those are pain points that guys need to hear. And so like, I don't, I don't get anything from Chris for this, but like never split the difference is a good book guys. Um, and I'm going to send you one Keith and uh, make sure you get a copy of that somehow. And, uh, and the rest of you, if you're listening, like what Chris said is, I mean, what Chris says in this, that Keith has also iterated is important in regard to understanding, like communicate. I tell my team all the time, 95% of our problems are just a communication issue. Yep. I say things, it came across in a text message, and then suddenly you blow that up to think that's a, a huge negative, and it really wasn't what the customer meant at all, wasn't what the contractor meant at all, the vendor meant at all, whatever's happening. And we and you have to really try to go, okay, where are we at? Instead of being reactionary on all of it, listen better and, and reach an agreed uh, or, or get a good understanding of what you really are talking about, what you've agreed upon. Yeah. Um, I, I love it, dude. Um, I think that's significant. Let's talk about Airwall and and marketing Airwall and you know all of your products. Like let's part of your LinkedIn stuff. Part of the things you say, I'll talk about. It's you got to be effective in doing these things. So, what's the most effective thing you've done um, in regard to growing your? What's the best decision you've made in regard to Zeppelin? That's an interesting question. Um, I think I think the Best thing I, I've done, it applies in different ways, and I'll, I'll try to touch on them a little bit, is recognizing that there's as many ideas as I have all the time. I mentioned that. There's no monopoly on good ideas. I, I have great ideas. I have want-want ideas. We all do. Remembering that there's always a contribution out there, that, and if you just are open to it, you can you can um, really do some amazing things. So collaboration and teamwork. I 
there's actually a, a, a thing in, in, in the startup world and in investment like VC world and things like that. VC companies are much more likely to take a B product with the A team than an A product with a B team because the team is what moves things forward, right? They're the ones that can overcome the hurdles and things like that. The team effort, the collaboration, I think by making sure that early I was focused on bringing people in uh, observing that all ships rise kind of mentality. And, and they're actually, and this is, this is unique, but I think it can apply to even the small restoration company. Um, it's not, obviously it's not the same space that we're in, but there have been less than a handful, obviously, but there have been a few people that we contracted to, you know, think professional services, right? Just web designer, things like that, right? Those types of people that we've worked with that were so exceptional. I mean, so exceptional in their job performance and in their um, outsized loyalty almost to our, our goals that we actually, we didn't have to, we actually gave them a small percentage of the company. These are just people that they have their own business license. They're not, they're not my employee. I've never right. even seen just 1099 them. They're, right. they're people that we hire and, they're so exceptional. And in one case, I felt like the scales were so out of balance in terms of what we were paying them and versus what they were doing. And, and we just felt like the only way to, to do. And then, and it wasn't the plan. It was, we were doing it as a reward. We felt like we we're like, you know what? We want you, we actually want to take you on the company picnic someday. Right. Um, you know, that type of thing. But what we found was, not only was that the reward that we wanted it to be, and it was super unexpected, you know, these people were just kind of like, ah, but that in doing so, now these people have skin in the game. They actually will succeed uh, even if we never use their services again when we succeed. And so now when we do need their services, it's all hands on deck. They were already amazing. Or they wouldn't yeah, have gotten Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Right? And now, now even more so. Sure. Now they're more so. So the reason I, I say that it could apply to even the small restoration company is if you, I'm not saying profit sharing necessarily, but if you, if there's an incentive, if they, if the people in the field feel like there's a, a true reward beyond just the, the paycheck at the end of the week, but a true reward in the terms of, uh, an attaboy. We all want to hear that, right? To some degree or another, but maybe a financial reward for being exceptional. I mean, we all, let's face it. We all go to work because there's a paycheck at the end of it. No one does it because they genuinely love it. And that's all they want to do. I mean, somebody may, right? Some people, some people say that, but you still, you still have to support, right? You still got to make a living. I don't need practice anymore. I don't need to practice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm with you. That's yeah. one of the things we say here. But I think that's important too, Keith, in regard to helping build that culture that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. caring for people. Um, and, and it shows just in without contractually being obligated, without anybody asking, it's just like, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. for me to take care, take care of this team that's helping me be able to even plausibly be successful. Yep. This is the way to do that. And, this is the way. and I love that, man. And sometimes that's really hard too. Um, and and well, navigating it can be very that. Hard. It can, you, yeah. you want to protect what you've got. Yeah. But sometimes by letting go of some of what you got, what ends up coming back is bigger than what you ever let go of in the first place. Sure. You know, the, yeah. that, it's, it's amazing. I've done it throughout my life and throughout my business practice. 
And I've never regretted it. Not once. Sure. And know? I would say at the same time, and you may, may or may not agree with this. That's not for everybody. You have to be cautious about who you're willing to give to. Oh, this is not just, this oh, is no. not just, Hey, I'm going to like give away your entire company and be in a bind. No, no, it's, that's not, this is not a, and I know just by talking to you and visiting with you, that this is not what you're doing, but it's not just, oh, I need this. I'm going to, I'll give you part of my company if you help me do this. That's not not what's happening. And I want to make sure everybody understands that that's not what you did. What you did was you had a transaction with them where you paid them contractually to provide a service and they did it so amazingly over and over again, obviously, a couple of times over that, you, that, that you're like, look, man, you're part of our family. Like you've yep. proven yourself to us yep. without having to. You're part of the family. You're in here. Yep. Here's That's a certificate it. that says you own whatever percentage of my company now. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a small percentage. Let's be clear. Yeah, I mean, right? yeah sure. But we didn't have to do it. And, and, yeah. and in, in all cases, well, it was there's only been two of them. Right. But the people were just. Oh. And oh, and this is amazing. OK. So I'm going to, I'm going to plug um, tier level digital marketing. Um, okay. We often credit them with the fact that we're still even here um, because they took us on early. We paid them. Right. And their service has been so exceptional and their ability to keep us relevant in a very small world, right? We can't, we are outsiders. I am not a restoration professional. I have done three months of it. I understand. I've been certified. I've got AMRT and I got that stuff, but we're outsiders. And they've made us relevant. And so, like I said, at tier level, we got this, this, this commitment that was so incredibly outsized. They were the first ones. And I, and I called up, uh, Sean Lewis is the, is the owner, uh, the CEO is now Whitney, but I, um, I I told him what I was going to do, you know, and how much I was going to give him. And he was just shocked. I mean, just absolutely just on the floor shocked. Right. And, and, and this is this is when I, I never doubted it, but this is when I really knew just how good Sean is and the culture that he created at his company. It didn't take him two minutes to ask me, can I give half of it to Whitney? Who's his person? That's his right-hand person. His company probably wouldn't exist without Whitney. Uh, they've got a bunch of great people there, um, but Whitney was first and, and she's the CEO and she's she's amazing. And it didn't take him two minutes to ask me, can I give half of it to her? Uh-huh. And I said, you can give it to Mickey Mouse if you want. I mean, it's yours. You know, you can gift it however you like. And so, like, it, he did it faster than I did it. You know, sure. like, that was amazing. I was just like, so it just shows you that um, I did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. Because he's the right person. He's the right quality of individual to meet the culture that you're trying to create and have created. And that's amazing. I yeah. love it. Yep. I want to be mindful. We're 11 after the hour now, which means we've gone a little longer than we're supposed to. But yeah. um, Keith, is there something that you want to say to those listening that are just trying to get launched or mm-hmm. uh, just trying to hit a milestone that you would say, this, I think this is important. I want you to hear this. Is there some nugget of information you, you, you have that I haven't asked you a question about? Mm. You know, for me, I think I've touched on it in 32 different ways over this conversation. But it's it's all about your people. It's all about your people. Respect your people. Recognize that they're people first. Uh, that, that they have things that come up in life, and that you know you need to um, honor and respect that. And you'll get it back way bigger than you ever give. So bring people in. 
keep the good ones close and, and build those relationships. And we say, we've, we've talked about the whole time. I, I, I don't know. That's just for me, that's it. You know, it's, yeah, sure. it's that in my business partnerships with my guys and with my contract manufacturer and with my, um, you know, graphics designer and with tier level digital marketing, all these different people, it's, it's about bringing in good people and keeping them close. Um, you know, I've worked with people in the restoration field. Mark Cornelius is one of the, he's a champion has been with us since almost day one. He's on the ICRC board. Yep. He's got his own school. He's amazing. Yep. I mean, I genuinely think of this man as a friend um, and he has been there throughout. And, and that relationship is the only reason that he's been there. You know, he loves my product too, but I can call him at two o'clock and say, I've got an idea. Let me run it past you. And he's like, cool. What do you got? You know? Um, so yeah, just, it's just people. And I think, I think you're right. Like, I think you've touched on it 32 different ways that hire the right people, build the right culture, make the right relationships, care for those people, um, treat them fairly and respectfully. Uh, and then knowing that the relationships what makes you who you are. And I think that's significant for those that are listening to hear. Like the biggest asset that you have in your business is going to be the people that are around you. Because you can't grow by doing all of it yourself. Like no, that's a common sleep. theme for us. Yeah, yeah. I've got to be able to do something else. Yeah. So I dude, I love hearing that. And, and I and I love what you're doing. I love the product that you have. I think it's I think it's significant. I think it hits a niche just perfectly. Um, I think you're going to just crush it and, and I'm excited for you. Uh, I'm excited for what you're doing. I'm excited for your team. Um, and man, I'm looking forward to to having uh, more communication with you and seeing you at some of these shows that we see at and yeah. uh, seeing how we can navigate and how we can help. I appreciate it. It's been great. I like that. Yeah. I like this conversation. It's good. Yeah. Uh, everybody, if you want to get in touch with Keith, you can do that with Zeppelin. Um, you can look for Airwall products. You can, you know, kind of find him in multiple different ways and uh, we'll, we'll get it linked up so that you have access to Keith as, as um, this, this podcast launches and Keith, man, thanks so much for your time. Clint, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. We'll talk soon. This has been a business aspirin pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, Follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.